This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. We're going to have a discussion here about why that is the theme and the tone of politics um, across North America, around the world, in fact. Um, more controversial issues than anything else, screaming right to the front of the pack and staying in the headlines and dominating everything. I mean, just take a look at what's happening in the leadership race here in Alberta with the Alberta Sovereignty Act. That's all this campaign has been focused on. Controversial? You bet it is. Um, within the party, without outside of the party, you name it. Why does this happen and why is it happening so much in politics right now? Uh, to walk us through that, Joining us, we have Mitch Heimpel, who is the Director of Campaigns and Government Relations for Enterprise Canada. Mitch? You see, hear this, Sarah, what's happening? Sarah's going to get Mitch on the air. I'm, I'm banging away on the phone here, and it, it won't work. Mitch, hi. How are you? Thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. Hey, good to be with you. Okay, so uh, a great piece uh, on the conversation that you wrote, um, talking about uh, this whole concept of controversy in politics and why we're seeing it so much right now. Uh, give us um, the Coles notes on um, stray voltage and what it means. And where, I'm sorry, it's on Substack, not on conversation. I apologize. Um, stray voltage, the concept, where it comes from and what it means in political terms. So it, it was coined in 2012 by Barack Obama's senior advisor, David Plouffe. And the, the basic theory was that you could say something quite controversial and you would essentially create immersive controversy. So you would get covered for what you said. You would get covered for the factual or fact-based analysis, fact-checking, as we've come to call it, of what you said. And then all of those things would subsequently be covered. And you'd be immersed in a story or a controversy for a number of days. But the success of it would be that it would motivate and and sort of tribalize your electorate, right? right. So you, you would end up taking the people who are inclined to support you on a given matter. And, and the example I use from the Obama administration in the piece is the you didn't build that uh, line from the 2012 uh, presidential election. Um, and it would just, it would instantly sort of polarize and mobilize the electorate. And it works. Historically, I mean, it generates, when you can generate a controversy, you can, as you say, you generate interest, you generate energy, you, you mobilize your supporters. Well, and this is the thing. If you, and this is, the, the, so social media is a great platform for this because it allows these things to perpetuate. It allows them to, to feel like you're constantly immersed in the news cycle and new developments arise and people comment and then people comment on comments and things of this nature. But what it, it does that's very effective is because it, 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 it makes the controversy sort of inescapable to people, they have to form an opinion on it. And it, therefore, is very good at reaching voters who don't traditionally vote. Okay. Um, this can be used positively and negatively. If you want to look at an example of sort of, I, I guess it depends on your perspective, um, but sort of non-antagonistic stray voltage, uh, Barack Obama's endorsement of Justin Trudeau in the 2019 federal election campaign. That was 
done entirely as a social media voter identification um, exercise by the Liberals. It was very successful in that way. And what the Liberals have done here federally is figured out a way to use events like that to organically and mimetically sort of identify voters online and keep them mobilized. It's been very successful. But, I mean... Ultimately, you're building the monster that can come back and kill you, right? I mean, that's the thing. You can stoke that fire to the point that it's out of control and the controversy overtakes you. Oh, it will. Like, that, that, is, that is the end sort of result of it, and we're seeing that in the United States right now. What, what starts out is a debate over policy, right? And, and that policy can be, like, it can be controversial things like we've seen in the past out west with bills C-69, C-48, um, it can be gun control, which always becomes a hot-button issue, both in Canada and the United States. Eventually evolves, and we sort of saw this, uh, and we have seen this over the course of the last year in the United States, into sort of a civilizational conflict, right, where people yeah. view themselves as, as willing to accept anything from their own side because they have to beat the other, the other party, the other team, in order to save civilization. Um, and that raises the stakes, raises the temperature, increases the polarization, and, and frankly, increases the likelihood of violence in the political landscape. And, and the thing is, as you say, I mean, politicians do it because it works. It, it mobilizes and it really energizes um, their supporters. And it also puts them into a camp where they're on board no matter what happens. But it really, we all suffer because it, it takes politics to, frankly, a really dumb place. I mean, tribalism is, it's just dumb. It benefits the politicians, but it doesn't benefit us. Well, so... You want to you want to be careful with 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 how we we sort of any tool can be used for any purpose, right? So I think there's a tendency in our in our political landscape to talk about sort of anything that diverges from what we understand to be the status quo mm -hmm. to be dangerous, and that's not necessarily the case. If you wanted to, for example. Um, open up the, the airline markets. We saw the problems with the, with the airports earlier this year um, so that you could have more international carriers doing Canada-to-Canada -Canada destination flights. That would be a remarkable change from our status quo, and it would be controversial in some places, but it wouldn't necessarily be bad. It, it would, so it would be an example of, of this that's actually good. And we've seen this in the, in the federal leadership with, with Pierre Polyev's promise to open up the Toronto Island Airport. Like, you can do this in a policy way that engages people in the conversation, does use language that is a little more adversarial, mm -hmm. um, but isn't necessarily, to your point, sort of demeaning to the electorate. The end result eventually does get there, though. You do eventually end up in these either personality contests or, as I stated before, sort of these broader questions over like are like the are 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 our opponents fundamentally dangerous to the future of the country or, or, or things like this when it's just not the case. It does ratchet up the temperature in a yeah. way that's hard to reverse. So the question stands in instances where it is damaging, where it is harmful, um, uh, how do we not get into that trap? As we said, the politicians will use it because it works for them. Um voters um it works on them. So so how does this stop? I mean, how do we get to a point where, okay, um, we're not going to engage in this kind of politics because we know there is a dangerous downside, at least in some cases? Well, we have to stop rewarding people for for intentionally turning the temperature up, right? There, There's a certain degree to which we can't 
escape and can't and shouldn't excuse awful behavior, right? Um, so if somebody intentionally goes out and provokes a crowd, like the, the ways the former president used to do when he would talk about locking up his opponents, that has to be condemned because that's intentionally turning up the temperature, right? And that's intentionally provoking people into a rage. Mm -hmm. But when you've got people that are already, um, and the government, and every government knows this, because every government does extensive internal polling on the mood of the electorate and where they are and whether they view the province or the country, the municipality is on the right track or not. If you know that you're going into a hostile situation, Right. There's a certain like you have to you have a job to do as a politician, but that job isn't to wave a red flag in front of a bull. And so, like, we can go back to the federal election last year. It's the anybody will tell you that it's entirely possible for the the RCMP and, and the Protective Service to, to, to keep the prime minister out of harm's way. You get him in and out of a building. They do advanced searches on this before they go in. They know everywhere every exit in the building is and how to get him out of there in under a minute flat without being seen. But if the prime minister knows in advance, and the RCMP would tell him that he's going to be met with a protest, yeah. provoking the protesters should not be something he wants to do. Right. But if you want the image of him having gravel thrown at him because it makes his opponents look ludicrous, then it's something our political class is absolutely willing to do, and we've done it. You make a great point. Absolutely, Mitch. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it.